It'd be so much harder if you were literally giving a public speaking talk on like something that deeply personal and then you forget. I forgot the fucking line when I was like literally That's talking so about funny. my mom. You know, I was like, yeah. it was the worst. In, and the, in the thick of it because yeah. you got emotional yeah. about your mom. Yeah. I was so unprepared to get emotional. Yeah. I've practiced it 10,000 times and it, it's been to the point where you've been like, yes, but how do you feel? And I'm yeah. like, oh, shit. That's what I was so... In, in, what's the word? That's what captivated me so much was when you walked on the stage and everyone would be like, and you walked out on the stage and then you were so slow. And you're like, when I was 11, my mum attempted to end her life. Is that how it starts? And you, you had obviously come on stage with all these nerves, planted yourself in the circle and just, it was like time was slowing down for you. And I could tell, I could tell that you, maybe on a subconscious level even, had made that decision to be like, no, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to feel. And you were present. You were so present. You were just present. And that's why you won, honestly, today, because you were present and You were standing up there, and I just saw your heart just beaming. You were, you were just so present. And one day, not very long from now at all, you'll be that present, and you will not forget, and you'll still have the emotions come up. And you'll still be able to deliver all the parts of your talk and you'll still be that present. But it was perfect. Anyway, you were saying how you I forgot. Started feeling about your mum. Yeah. And then you just forgot your line. Yeah. <laughs> you were just standing there. Yep, totally I forgot it. And <laughs> was watching the clock and was panicking and was like I've practiced this so many times I had I didn't feel even this morning when I was in the shower I was like trying to cue myself for the feelings that's hilarious literally I was like I think remember to feel this here and remember to feel that there and how do you show that feeling there? It was like literally this morning in the shower and then in front of the mirror. And then I was not, but I, but all the practice, I didn't feel any feelings. I just knew that I had to emote the feelings, but I didn't actually feel them. And then I got on stage and I was like, oh, this is a lot of feelings right now. <laughs> like I've, been, I've been doing all this weight lift training without any weights. You know, I mean, like, just like, 
you know, you got to bend like this, right? And then move my arm like this. Oh, yeah, okay, right. And I then stand like that. Realize, yeah, what happens. So when you are a ballerina mm. and you're rehearsing, you do the moves, right? But when you're a ballerina and you're on stage in front of 5,000 people, 3,000 people, even 1,000 people, my smallest audience in my life is probably like 500 people, well, like in a professional setting, right? But my, my biggest audience is about 8,000 people on my own, on my own for four minutes. So the music happens and you step out on stage and you're on your own. So everything you put into it, every fiber of your being that you have put into it in preparation and that you're putting into it in those moments when you step out on stage is mirrored back at you by the 5,000 observers watching your matter take form and you're ex expressing something through your body. So I, I cannot explain to you the times, the random times that I've been on stage and I'm like covered in goosebumps in a place in the dance where I'm like usually just like standing there like right but it's because i'm in my greatest most highest form of creative energy and that is being reflected back at me by five thousand pairs of eyes who are experiencing what i'm experiencing they're experiencing the preparation the beauty the blood, the sweat, the tears, the hours of work that has gone into my body, the lack of sleep, no eating, the terrible relationship, <laughs> the relationship to the music that I have, the relationship to the movement that I have. Every past lifetime experience that's got me there, plus all the experiences in this lifetime, in that moment, in that present moment the audience has seen all of that that's a story that is full of feelings babe mm. your body can't help but respond to the mirror mm. well i was not prepared <laughs> that's what that's what the art of performance or public speaking or presenting ideas and information in that way that's that's what it is mm. it's it's something that you you can't explain to someone like that song by Lady Gaga I live for the applause mm. it just I just got goosebumps on my legs you can't you know what I mean now mm. you actually know what I mean now because yes, you've given talks and you've been nervous and you've given talks to Crisis supporters and you've like, you spoken at Team Mac a little bit. No, just me. 
Just you. But you've walked out on the stage and had mm. recognition and stuff. But it's different when it's like your work mm. and it's your it's your like identity that's being put out there for the world to see and you're showing you know like Amanda Palmer as the statue you're showing the world you're asking them to to see and validate your story and then they do and then they do even if you can't see their faces they do they validate it So yeah, I don't think anything could ever be paid for that one. Yeah. Which is probably why he loved performing as a kid. Like in musicals and stuff. Nothing can prepare a person for it. It's insane. It's really fun. It's, it's really, really rewarding. It's really, it's really fun. It's really scary. It's, it's really, really challenging. amazing. Did I tell you what I wrote? Have you seen what I wrote yesterday? What, last night? No. See if I can pull it up. I'll just read it to you. It's pretty short. Learning to tell my story has been so weird. I never knew people would say stuff like, You should feel so proud while all I'd feel was the need to burst into tears at random all day, or like I was some imposter whose mask was slipping. It's been very eye-opening and discomforting, and a million times throughout, random thoughts attacked, like, what if your story leads someone to darkness? And what if everyone thinks you're full of shit, or out for attention, or you lose your job, etc. <laughs> Literally such ra- irrational thoughts. Impossibly irrational. Ratchet thoughts. Yet there they are. They live in here with me. Loud and clear, they speak my worst fears, and now I have the massive pleasure, honor, and privilege of getting into the red circle tomorrow and sharing something hopefully inspiring for a whole minute. Yikes. I've already spent more hours on this one minute than any other in my whole life. It's scary. Observant mind says the voices of fear just don't know how to tell scary good from scary bad. To them it's all the same. They want to keep me safe. Fair enough, I appreciate it. But this is scary good because it might help someone. So keeping me safe from that would suck. That's what got me through the scariest parts when I shared my story of suicidal thoughts for the first time in a public way. I was lucky that Thursday because I didn't have any meetings booked so I could just catch up on paperwork through all the random waves of tears and mind (laughs) storms. But I had some really, really amazing support from workmates, friends and family who just let me be a mess with lots of grace and love. And wise mind said over and over, this is scary good, it might help someone. I only put it out to the universe so recently. I want to step up and speak on a TEDx stage. And it's already starting. It's so soon. I can feel my comfort zone stretching and it's uncomfortable. So lots of people have asked me about tomorrow. Are you excited? And I'm not sure how to answer. I'm honored and scared, but in a good way. 
one. <laughs> <laughs> but that it's a really scary feeling, and it's like the. Yeah, there's nothing like it, and you tend to you like you start to get like, like to recognize that that's a good scary, and I want that. I want to f- experience that. It's the same when you forget a line when you're in the middle of a play. Yeah. And you, no one ever knows that you forgot the line. There's something that you know. It's it's funny with with Ted like watching people like actually acknowledge that they'd like, like having to take a pause. I'm like. That's so weird. Like in acting, we we need to fudge over it as if it didn't happen. Yeah. Because you don't want to break the fourth wall. It's the same with music. Right? You don't want to break the fourth wall. You have to keep playing. Unless you're intentionally breaking the fourth wall for whatever reason. Of course. Like you don't want to break the fourth wall. And yeah, it was just, it was really like, it was just really, really cool. Just. So, I forgot, and then I realised I just had to jump in, so I did, and and then I'd lost all that time, so I needed to speed up, and I fucked up all that delivery, I was like, I just had to speed up, so I was like, I didn't even realise it was better. Oh, fully. So, yeah. I was like, um, that's why I'm here today, to encourage you to do a little... And I just fully, like, had to fast forward. Oh, yeah. You're like, this is Portland. This is good. Legit. Because... And I was watching the clock. I I hit, like, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. I was like, oh. So I fully had to speed up and then got to the last line. And... It was, like, 57 seconds on the clock at that point, Right, and then I, by the time I sat down in the chair, I didn't even remember whether I had even said the last line or not. Yeah, you did. Yeah, well, that's what, that's it. Like, people eventually said, I heard that a lot from people, that it really resonated. CPR for the soul. Oh, babe. I'm so glad. What are you doing? Just cooking. I'm so glad you got that. That line really hit everyone. But yeah, the parts that you miss out were the parts that you you could afford to miss out. Like luckily, it was just crazy, hey. Yeah, just like chance. C- CPR for the soul is what like your talk was being called. Yeah, people cool. were like, yeah, you did like the CPR for the soul talk, and people were saying like, um. What else do they call it? Like, you know, Chinese whispers. If people don't remember the exact thing that you said, so yeah. then they start putting their own yeah. spin and overlay on it. So what did Manisha say? She was like... Um, she didn't call it CPR. She was like, it was like resuscitation for the soul, you know? Yeah, like, sure. And someone else said, like, reviving the soul. Or, sure. Yeah, it was just... It was so cool just listening and realizing like everyone's different spin on it and different takeaway perspective that's funny you say that because fiona said you know a really important part of making change is actually 
learning to tell stories that are retellable. And it's about recognizing that if you really want to make change, like in an organization, in the government, whatever, you actually have to, you have to learn to tell a story so well that when someone retells it, they get to own it. They get to take the credit for the retelling. It's that easy for them to retell it. Because when they can own it, then you're giving them the gift of that of the meaning that they are sharing. And if they can get credit for it, if they can see themselves in it, that's how change happens. It's when we get caught up in like, I want the credit. I want the, this is my idea. That's when everybody, nobody wants to play. Nobody like wants to go with you. An old mate we're talking about today, like their competitor brands are now making sustainably sourced, ethically sourced outdoor camping gear. Mm. And they're like, eh. And they're like, wait a second, this is remarkable. Mm. This is amazing. Yeah. No, we can't. We have to realize that innovation, technology, education, design, all of those things, we we have to realize that it's a torch like the Olympic Games. It has to be carried. It has to be carried by everyone. It can't just be carried by one person. It doesn't matter who gets recognition for it. Mm. That's not what change is about. Mm. That's not what social change is about. No one cares about recognition for a movement. It's a movement. Yeah. It's a wave. The individuals have to own it. Everybody has to carry it. Hitler took his philosophy and, and doctrine from a completely different... It wasn't Hitler. Hitler took his idea from this other guy that I can't remember his name. But, you know, I can't remember his name because Hitler was the one who got all the credit. But Hitler took his ideals that he founded his movement on from another source, from another person. I feel like that's that's a counter case. To me, that's like... He didn't have something that everybody... He was vibrating on fear. He was vibrating on anger. It wasn't something that everybody could resonate with at a personal level. They had to follow him, right? They needed that one ferocious person that they could all get behind. But... And that's that's that energy. That's what that... Well, I was going to say, like, that was his movement, right? Mm. That was his movement. But even though communism has always got a dictator at its head, and I'm using these examples because it's an example of when we can spread the wrong change. Communism doesn't have some figurehead sitting at its head. We don't be like, oh, Kim Jong-un is the founder of communism communism is an idea it doesn't need a leader 
to make it communism. But once upon a time, it did have a leader. Like the pioneers in my field, Elisa Vidi. Like Elisa is just one of so many women now who mm. are pioneers in the field. Mm. And like not for one second would she be upset about that. Yeah. She's the, she's the original Asian the best. Yeah. But not for one second. Like all of us who have any kind of literature to even look at have her to thank for that. And now she's just doing her thing and raising her daughter and talking about ovaries. But like she need to take the credit for it there's been mm. like so many books written after her initial book and so many more research things coming up about it because at the end of the day it's a global conversation that people weren't having that now they are yeah it sparked an entire movement babe of not just people who are like let's sink our cycle with our food but actually like let's sink our productivity and our thought patterns and our lifestyles and then it was like this whole feminine movement that was counteractive to feminists it's just been like this whole thing that happened and there was probably others before her but she was the person who was like paving the way so yeah it just social change it does it has to be a Resharable idea mm. that someone can take ownership of. Mm. You know what's funny? CPR for the soul. Do you know why that even happened? No. Literally, only because I asked so many people for support and input. There were so many people who were happy to, like, who were like, yeah, let me help. I would love to. Send me what you got. Yeah, you really asked everyone in your network. I asked everyone. Everybody. Guys, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? One after another, literally everyone. effort. 100%. And it was only after, like, number 30, maybe, that I was having a conversation with someone. And they were like, what are you even talking about? Oh, you know what? It was with Tanya. No, different. That was a different one. Old mate, like, um, I think you were thinking of Martin just now. Martin was definitely like, if you're doing TED Talk, you need a call to action. Martin was like, what's the point? What am I taking away? And I was like, oh, God. And that's after I'd already written it and everything and fully finalized it and was committing it to memory. That's when he said that. And after that, that's when I was like, FML, like... Seriously, I have to rewrite this whole thing, and I was and then, defeated. Oh, mate, Maddie, Maddie was then like, Maddie you can't was do like, it. Yeah, like, I don't believe you. He was literally like, like "You're yeah, talking shit. I don't believe you." He was like, "Nah, babe." And then after that, I had a call with with Tanya, and that, and we were chatting, and we were just riffing and yarning, yeah. and just having a conversation, and CPR for the soul came up. She was like, what, are you, what is it though? Like, what are you really doing? Like, what's the whole thing? And I was like, oh, I just want people to have CPR for the soul. Mm. And it literally just came out of that. Because of, I think, like a big barrier for hey, people. That's the title of a book. Totally. CPR for the soul. Well, it's I was the title thinking. Of, like, your book. Yeah, well, I was thinking, like, 
if it does if I get invited to do a full one it might as well be like just an 18 minute masterclass on it like this the stuff that I teach every day I'll just boil it down it's like what are the obstacles what are you gonna have to overcome what are some stories to illustrate that what does it feel like to overcome it what are the obstacles stopping you from overcoming it you know like just the same stuff that I do every day but just boil it down and give people some real tips and tools of like these are the invisible things that you don't realize that you have to navigate differently in order to really listen to people I was telling the girls tonight I don't know if I'm supposed to tell them this but I was telling them how I've heard you tell me about when you're helping a crisis supporter and they'll be like oh and they said this and you'll be like yeah and they're gonna say this and then you have to say this and then they're gonna say this and then you're gonna say this and just like explaining to them that because you have so many thousands of hours there's a formula that you follow and you know how to follow it and when you've been able to get your own feelings out of the way you can see quite clearly the pattern and then the formula works it's every just, time it's just validation yeah and it's just validation and every single time it works and it, I explained to them before you came over we are talking about the fact that the biggest barrier to that is our own projection right it's our own projection of like that I don't want to help this person no, 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 because, because of our ego because of our pride yeah. because it's like well fear and fear fear pride doubt and you're like teetering on the edge of like well is this going to hurt the person going to kill themselves because I don't know if I can handle that. Once you make peace with that, mm. once you actually make peace with it, you're like, well, what do we got? We got tools. And I started explaining the um, the situation with Sammy when he was like, oh, I'm missing, and you were just like, what are we going to do though? Get your feelings out of the picture. What action are we going to take? How are we going to handle the situation to the best of our ability in order to help the situation, in order to find the person so it doesn't happen? Like, how are we going to do that? And that was a turning point for me. I was like, oh, yeah. Me to see him be like, oh, my God. Hello, I'm not dead. Basically, there's a time for it. Mm-hmm. That's not the time. That's not the time. In the emergency is not when you want to process your feelings about the emergency. And it doesn't mean not having empathy. Yeah. Because I've been in that situation too. Totally. Someone's been dying in front of me and I've had no empathy for mm. them. They were choking to death, you remember? Yeah, you told me. Yeah, that was... And I'm like, ugh, careful. No feelings. There's still no feelings. Even to this day, still no feelings. Because I was numb at the time. Yeah, just... what a skill you know what a skill set that people could learn totally so it's like i've been thinking if it if i get invited for a full one and obviously there's a whole thing that would have lots of input to help me decide and stuff but it could be great to do like what are the barriers to empathy 
and it would be set up as like kind of there's a lot of service paid to you can open up find someone to open up to there's a lot of that but what about all the people who feel scared if someone tries to open up to them there's not a lot paid to that there's a lot of people out there who feel like they want to help they're afraid of making things worse so they freak out and the other person is hypersensitive and they notice that they're freaking out so they shut down well, and they know and they feel they can't talk hey, about it I got to call up totally and because his friend was like I'm going to kill myself and he had to call up like every helpline that he could think of and they all said the same thing like all you can do is literally like hold his hand in that valley if you try to fix this it will literally make the situation worse just no one is man my parents my parents tried to do it when I had my ED you know they were like just go and look in the mirror and see that you're not fat mm. like look at your clothes they're so small wow 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 what would Jesus say? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> Babe, Jesus would hold himself in love and light and acceptance. And basically that means that, no, you don't have any problems and you're perfect. Mm. Jesus doesn't make mistakes, but we... God doesn't make mistakes. I'm so tired. Yeah, yeah. let's go to bed. Yeah, it's time for bed. Can I have some tea? Well, the kettle boiled itself for us, so... <laughs> That gorgeous Amway kettle just boiling itself for everybody. Just still in its thing. Thank you. Thanks for telling me about your... What it was like for you today. It was so amazing, babe. You were so amazing. 